Good morning. It's been nice to have a couple weeks off. I'm sure for you as well as for me. Um, I feel a little bit like it's only been two weeks, but I feel a little bit like I forgot how to ride a bike. Um, so we'll see how this goes here this morning. We've been talking about wonder, and it's been, uh, it was so nice for me to, to listen to the messages that Doug brought, and then last week, John, and especially as well, uh, through the live stream, I could only hear some of the stories, but to hear how many voices of people were raised to share something, some sort of testimony and story of God's goodness in their lives, and that was just so wonderful to see uh, just your response to that, your willingness to be vulnerable and open. And uh, thank you uh, just for even blessing me hearing uh, your willingness to do that last week and for John for opening that up to everybody. As we've talked about wonder, maybe you can think of a time where uh, you've experienced something, maybe with a a friend or a person, where um, something in that moment of sharing together just moved you, changed you. Have you ever seen something or experienced something powerful and then at the end of that moment just sort of exhaled and say, wow, like, what do I do now? I had a moment when I was about uh, 15 years old and my church went up to Ottawa to a a youth sort of mission event for the week where we were around blessing and serving the community, not unlike what John did for Tidal Impact a week previous. And while I was there, um, many different youth groups gathered for a special event from across Canada, and we got to go into the Parliament buildings, and there was a special prayer time with Tony Campolo in one of the uh, large rooms there in the Parliament buildings. And during that prayer time, I'd already been sort of sensing some call to ministry, but I had this deep and profound sense that God was affirming within me that he wanted me to be a pastor. And I said to him, no thank you. (laughs) But I could not escape this sense that God was speaking clearly, that God was doing something in that place and in that moment. And no matter how much I tried to pretend like God hadn't spoken clearly, he just kept leading me and pushing me towards where I am today with all of you, under duress. (laughs) (laughs) But we have these moments of wonder. For me, it was this profound feeling of God's presence in my physical body. It was not an audible voice. It wasn't some uh, magical thing. But it was somehow God's affirmation by his spirit to me in that moment. It felt very holy. It felt humbling, it felt challenging, and it felt compelling. And I had to do something about it. And moments of wonder are meant to move us, to change us, to transform our lives. I think that's why God built within us a capacity for wonder. It can happen in big ways and in small ways. It can happen, as we've seen on some of the the wonder wall here, I've seen some of you, many of you have written about just what it was like to hold a baby or your first child or something of that nature. It can happen in those small, intimate moments that are vulnerable. It can happen in large vistas where we see something grand within creation. It can happen in moments between people in relationship. It can happen when we see beauty and art. But in these 
encounters with wonder, something larger than ourselves, something unexplainable and un, uh, uh, unable to grasp fully with our hands, somehow that moves us and, and causes us to do something. And I said last time that I preached a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how wonder requires openness. I'll take you back to the slide I showed at that time. Wonder requires openness. And we talked about the very first week how open eyes, we need open eyes uh, for wonder to begin. If we don't have open eyes, we're going to miss it. But open eyes for fresh perspective. I've talked about a need for childlike curiosity as we see something, engage with it, as we question it. Humility and uncertainty. And I came back from uh, vacation, there was an email from Cindy, and Cindy said, isn't the word you're really talking about vulnerability? And I said, yeah, you're tracking exactly what I'm, I'm thinking here too. Vulnerability is absolutely essential. It's, it's about being open, but if we're not open and willing to be changed or transformed, then we, we're going to miss out the power of that moment, the power of what God might be doing in that space. So vulnerability is essential for that. I want to take you to a quote from... Uh, a, a woman named Brene Brown. Some of you will be familiar with her. She's been in a lot of popular media lately, but she's, she's a researcher and a study on, particularly on shame and vulnerability. And in her book, Atlas of the Human Heart, she writes this, awe and wonder are essential to the human experience. Wonder fuels our passion for exploration and learning, for curiosity and adventure. Choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. We have to ask questions, admit to not knowing, risk being told that we shouldn't be asking, and sometimes make discoveries that lead to discomfort. In that moment that I had in Ottawa in the Parliament buildings, it was an uncomfortable thought for me that God might be asking me to serve as a pastor through the course of my life. It was challenging for me because at the time, I was also going around with my father to universities, uh, talk, looking at programs for computer science. And I was very well aware that if I pursued computer science as a career, I would probably make a lot of money. This was kind of the early days of the internet, children. This was uh, <laughs> sort of, I could see what was coming. And I knew that there would be hardship and difficulty, and it was uncomfortable to me. But as I allowed myself to listen, to be open, to receive, to be vulnerable, I could sense that God was pushing and moving and doing something within me. Here's a quote from the Harvard Business Review, which I've referred to this article once previously in this series, in an article called, Why You Need to Protect Your Sense of Wonder, Especially Now. It says, research has shown that experiencing something bigger than us helps us transcend our frame of reference by expanding our mental models and stimulating new ways of thinking. So experiencing wonder, it takes us to something bigger that goes beyond what we're used to, goes beyond what we're comfortable with. Experiencing wonder is one way that God uses and that we as human beings encounter something else that gets us to move to grow, to change, to shift. And wonder is essential to the human experience if we're open to pursuing it with vulnerability. Here's a quote now from uh, Mark Buchanan. In his book, Your God is Too Safe, 
Rediscovering the Wonder of a God You Can't Control. I read this book about 20 years ago, and I've had the chance to meet Mark Buchanan since then, and uh, I've found him to be just a wonderful, humble, uh, insightful man. He wrote this in that book. The worst consequence of losing our imagination, our wonder, is that we no longer see the Christward life as an adventure. We see it as a duty, a chore, a list of do's, don'ts, and how-to's. We think the point of life is to stay safe, stay as safe and undisturbed as possible. What he's describing is that if we forget about imagination, we don't allow wonder, we don't uh, pursue it with vulnerability, we don't allow it to change us and move us, then the life as a Christian that we'll experience is one of duty, chore, list of do's, don'ts, boredom, drudgery. But a life, a Christian life that's full of imagination and wonder that pursues the practice of wonder with openness and vulnerability will be an adventure. And so what I wanted to challenge you to do today as we think about this and as we think further on this theme of wonder and how to practice it, what I want you to begin to consider is this point, which is that wonder compels us to go beyond ourselves. Wonder compels us to go beyond the frame of reference that we have, to expand our lives, to expand us, to take us out of our comfort zones, and to allow ourselves to experience something that will challenge us, that will move us. Wonder compels us beyond ourselves. And so I want to take you to a story. It's a long chapter in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 6. In fact, it's, it's multiple stories in one. I'm going to sort of condense it and go through it a little bit quickly. Um, but together, this chapter tells us um, about a, a people who aren't willing to be vulnerable and go beyond themselves and to see the interaction that they have with Jesus. Now, it's a group of people, um, but, but let's dig into the story now. So in John chapter 6, uh, verse 1, it begins... Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So they were pursuing this sense of wonder. They were impressed by the miracles that Jesus was doing. He'd caught their attention. And then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, this is a moment like, uh, you know, when we have the neighborhood party where there's a huge crowd from the neighborhood that shows up, hopefully, right? And can you imagine if suddenly we had several thousand people show up at our door on that day? Praying, right? And then all of a sudden we started thinking about food for the first time. There was no email that Jesus sent out weeks in advance asking for baked goods. There were no calls to restaurants and caterers. Jesus turns to one of his disciples, a dude, and said, hey, how are we going to feed these people? I don't know. My mom always just brings the snacks. <laughs> Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Philip responds to say, like, it would take like months, months of work to foot the bill 
to feed all these people. And where would we get it anyway? We don't have the money, we don't have the time, we don't have the opportunity and access. Jesus says, go out into the crowd. They find a little boy with loaves, fish. Jesus does his miraculous work, praying, blessing, breaking, distributing by the disciples. And as the food goes out amongst the thousands of people, everyone is fed. And there's 12 baskets of leftovers somehow. Jesus is acting in a way that is marvelous, miraculous, wonderful. He's challenged Philip to go beyond his experience, his mental model, his frame of reference, his comfort zone. And the disciples and all the people now have seen Jesus do something far more than they would have ever anticipated. Can you imagine the little boy that brought forward the loaves and fish? He was probably thinking, this is all I got. Like, I was hoping I was going to get to eat today, but I'll share it if you want. Can you imagine for all those people to see what they thought was so little become so much in abundance? Jesus is doing something beyond their comprehension, more than they could imagine. It's wonderful. And so there's this great experience, and actually the response from the people is is very positive. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. If we end the story there, it seems like a great victory. That Jesus has acted in a way that is wonderful. He's, He's impacted the people. Their lives have been changed. They've been fed in this miraculous way. And now everybody ends on a high note. They all live happily ever after. But that's just not where it ends. That's just not how the story goes. They had a great meal for free. What happens next? Well, what happens next is that the disciples cross the lake, and there's only one boat. Jesus doesn't come with them because they can't find him. Why do they leave without him? Why don't they just stay the night? I don't know. But they decide since they can't find Jesus, they're going to cross the lake. And while they're going across the lake, they see Jesus catch up to them. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Princess Bride, right? They're, they're out on a boat late at night, and it's like, oh, that boat back there, it's catching up on us. He's gaining on us. I don't think he's using the same wind that we're using. But what's happening here is not, it's not Jesus, you know, in a speedboat. It's not Jesus as a better sailor than them. What's Jesus doing? How is he catching up to them? He's walking on the water. You know the story. Jesus is walking on the water. Let's go to the next slide here. The next day, see what happens is people wake up. They've had this miraculous meal of bread. They wake up and they look around and they say, wait a second. The boat is gone and Jesus is gone, but Jesus wasn't on the boat. The next day, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. 
What's Jesus doing here? What's Jesus saying? It sounds almost rude, his response. Like, hey, Jesus, how did you get here? Like, they must be wondering, like, did Jesus walk here? Like, is that possible? Did he walk across the lake? It sounds kind of rude that Jesus is like, you're just here because you want to eat again. But Jesus knows what they're going for. And you see, what they have pursued Jesus for is they liked the miracle. They liked eating a meal they didn't pay for. And that's what they think Jesus is good for. They declared that he must be the prophet. They echoed these words of praise. But what have they really gone around the lake for? Another free meal. And Jesus knows it. Jesus sees what's going on in their hearts. And what we're going to see through this next conversation as they have this back and forth, we're going to see that they have this small little idea of who Jesus is and what he means for their life. And they don't want to move beyond it. And Jesus keeps pushing them to try to expand their frame of reference. Jesus keeps pushing them to be vulnerable, to risk changing, to allow themselves to see a new way, to see him in a new light, and to respond. And they just don't get it. So the next verse here, next slide. They answered. Now listen to this. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Imagine, like, where were you guys yesterday? Thousands of people ate and there were leftovers from just some fish and bread, and you want another miraculous sign? In our lives, it can be tempting to chase one high after another, one good experience after another, one great, amazing, flashy movie or piece of story or experience to go on one more cruise, to go and experience life in its fullest, to have the best that life has to offer one day, after never settling for anything less. Day after day, they want another miraculous sign. They want to feel the power of God, but they don't want to change. They don't want to do anything else. It's just, feed me. Show me how powerful things. Show me a miraculous sign. Feed me. And in our culture, we live as consumers who try to satisfy our every desire, but without ever changing, without ever doing anything, without ever going anywhere. No wonder we're bored. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I don't know about you, I haven't seen very many people feed thousands from virtually nothing. I don't know how many more signs they need to see. But they want to keep demanding signs, another show, another spectacle, because it's easier than changing and living like he's the Messiah, the prophet. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Feed us. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. 
The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what they're doing is they're appealing to a story, another miraculous story from the Old Testament, a story from their history. They're saying, well, Moses fed them bread every day. How about you feed us bread every day? That would be great for us. We wouldn't have to go to work. We could just follow you around. We'll go in the desert. Sure, why not? You just keep feeding us. Feed me. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat every day. Why can't you give us bread every day? It'd be so much easier for us. We wouldn't have to go to work. We wouldn't have to do anything too difficult. We just follow you around. We'll listen to you do your sermon for half an hour or an hour if you really want to. That's fine. We can put up with that. If it means at the end of the day we get a meal. Feed us. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. What about you? What can you do? They just want another miracle. Because if they get another miracle, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to move. They don't have to change. On the next slide. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is that the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He said, you missed the point of that story that your ancestors experienced. And you're missing what's happening right now. Because you don't want to look bigger. You don't want to be challenged. You don't want to be vulnerable to what might happen if you take the risk of faith. Next. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Feed me. I feel like I'm doing a cookie monster. <clears throat> Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. He says, you want to be satisfied? It's not going to come from actual bread. It's going to come from the bread of life. It's going to come. You're going to be satisfied when you lean into who I am and what I am offering to you. I am offering you an eternal satisfaction that will mean that you never have to long for more again. But it's so much better than a slice of white bread every day. They just want to eat. They just want to remain comfortable. They want their needs to be fulfilled without having to do anything. Just follow along with Jesus. He'll feed us. He'll take care of us, just like Moses did. Jesus is gently, patiently, and I'm sure if it was me, I would not be doing it gently and patiently, but he is nudging them, trying to push them to see something bigger, to experience wonder that's available to them something greater. Jesus wants them to see the beautiful things that he's done to compel them to change, to move, to go beyond themselves and their desires. Next slide. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he'd said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? He says he's not going to feed us. Who does he think he is? Are we wasting our time? We could have gone to the other town and gotten food by now. I'm hungry. I'm hungry too. I'm feeling a little hangry. Yeah, me too. Who does this Jesus think he is? I know his dad. Yeah, Joseph. 
I heard it's not his real dad. Yeah, I know there's a real story about that one. His mom, Mary, I don't know. I don't know, there's a story there. Something's going on. We, we know him. Who does he think he is anyway? Small town boy, Nazareth. Whatever good thing came from Nazareth. He's not going to feed us. Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. There's a life verse for you. Take that, memorize it, put it on your fridge. Jesus said, stop complaining about what I said. Because we do that. We complain about what Jesus said. Because if we actually listen, if we actually do it, we have to change. We have to trust him. It'll take us out of our comfort zone. So it's easier to complain. Oh, Jesus didn't really mean that. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Who's Jesus think he is anyway? But if Jesus, if Jesus' words are listened to and received, it will change us. It will move us. It will compel us to do something differently, to trust him in uncomfortable places, to go where we've never gone before, to be in relationship with people we've never been in relationship with, to do the hard thing of forgiving or apologizing. If we really listen to the words of Jesus, we'll relate to other people of uh, opposite gender differently. We, we won't respond with lust we won't pursue anger, which is like murder. Well, instead, we'll try to live in a whole new way where Jesus teaches us what it means to be like him. It will force us, it will compel us to change. And it's easier just to complain about that and ask for bread every day. Feed me. Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said. Sometimes I think like, about what would be fun to put on a shirt as like a, a Christian like Bible verse or something. Usually you see these, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'd love to see a t-shirt that said, stop complaining about what I said, dash Jesus. <laughs> I don't think I'd make a lot of money with that t-shirt, but Jesus says, stop complaining about what I said. They are just in such different places. They want to be fed every day. They want life to be easy and comfortable. Jesus to provide for them. And Jesus is saying, you've got to go bigger. You've got to think bigger. You've got to see me as I am, not just as you want me to be. Next slide. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the miraculous manna, but will live forever. Jesus is saying, I'm offering you something so much greater. Your Ancestors experienced wonder and a miracle every day. God provided for them, but it didn't keep them from dying. And I could give you bread every day. I could keep meeting every one of your needs so you never really suffered and you never really experienced difficulty and you didn't have to work too hard. I could keep doing that for you so you'd never go hangry again. 
But I'm offering you something better. I'm offering you life that won't be taken from you when you die. Life that will sustain you through an eternity. A connection with the source of life itself. With God. With the life that is in me. I'm the true bread. You want something from Ben's Bakery. I'm offering you something from the heart of God. Something much better. And they don't want to risk it. They don't want to take the step of faith. Is that the last slide? Not the end of the sermon, don't worry. Can you imagine what it would be like if instead of being disgruntled and complaining about what Jesus said, if they had seen him as he was and took a step of faith and risked it? If they had, we would have heard different stories about those people. Think about some of the other stories through the Gospels where we see people responding to Jesus and the wonders that they see in him. Allowing him and what he said and what he did to challenge them, to push them outside of their comfort zone, to do more, to expand their lives in a way that was uncomfortable and risky, but ultimately good. There was a woman for 12 years had menstrual bleeding. She pursued Jesus, and with one touch, Jesus heals her because of her faith. There was a young girl, 12 years old, who died. Her father calls for Jesus. Jesus comes because of the faith. That girl is raised by the power of Jesus. A whole new wonder to be experienced. There was Matthew, the tax collector, reviled by his relatives because he had betrayed his own countrymen to collect taxes for the Roman government, the oppressors. Jesus says, come, follow me. And he ends up experiencing a lifetime of wonder because he was willing to risk, to change, to be moved, to com be compelled into something new. Story after story, we see people being healed, lives being changed and transformed because they were willing to risk, willing to step forward in faith, willing to let God move them. And so they experienced wonder after wonder. Last week, I didn't hear all of your stories through the live stream, but many of you were testifying your own stories about how you took a step of faith and you experienced God's goodness in a new way. I heard a story about someone who took a step and trusted God by tithing and giving money, and God kept providing. I heard a story about someone who lost a home and a place and found provision. I heard stories of bad health that was transformed into healing and life longer than ever expected. I heard stories of the ways that God spoke to you because you trusted, you stepped out in faith, and you allowed God to lead you into a place where you could experience his wonder in a new way. Wonder compels us beyond ourselves. 
We sang a song already today, Oceans, that talked about that, you know, lead me out upon the water. That was the story of, of Peter as he followed Jesus out onto the water and himself walked upon it. What might God do in your life today, tomorrow, if you stop complaining about what Jesus said and you allowed yourself to enter into the adventure of wonder, the challenge of moving beyond yourself to experience something new, risky, dangerous, but alive with the presence and fullness of God, what would happen in your life? if you looked for those moments to step out upon the water. But it's easier, isn't it, to just say, feed me, feed me. But what if we stopped looking at Jesus as just a provider of a good meal? And we started to see Jesus as the source of life, source of hope and power, of incredible good that is available to us and for us. What if we could see beyond what seems so small in our world today, even tiny little pieces of bread and tiny little cups of juice? What if we could see beyond what's so small and see that he is the satisfaction of our souls? What if we stopped looking for the things of this world that are perishable, that are here today and gone tomorrow, and what if we started seeing the offer Jesus has for us of something greater, something eternal? What if we saw here in this meal, around this table, not just a simple little snack, but the filling, nourishing power of Jesus alive by his Spirit within us? to accomplish more than we could ever ask or imagine, to allow us, to invite us into that holy embrace of God for all eternity. What if wonder compelled us beyond ourselves into something we could have never guessed, never dreamed of, but so incredibly good I think that's available to us today, and I hope that you will be open to hearing God call you out upon the water. Now, earlier I used a quote from Mark Buchanan, and he told a story in that book. Uh, this is a little bit dated, you'll hear by the reference, but he says he was speaking to a group of youth, and he held up two VHS uh, covers. One was Indiana Jones, still relevant today, Indiana Jones, and the other was a, a video about how to sew. And he said, which of these two VHSs seems more like the Christian life to you? And everyone agreed it was the sewing, how to sew. The Christian life is like sewing, step-by-step -step instructions. And he said, you know, no offense to those of you who sew, it's a wonderful skill and ability. 
But I think the Christian life is meant to be more like Indiana Jones, a great adventure. And when we lose a sense of imagination and wonder, as he said previously, we stop seeing it as that. We pursue the safe, the comfortable, the boring. Friends, we don't want to be a church that's boring. We don't want to be a church that says, say it with me, feed me. No, you're not supposed to say it with me. That was a trick. We don't want to be a church that says it. You guys weren't listening. Okay. I'm going to have to start back at the beginning. We'll do the whole thing again. No. Okay. We don't want to be a church that says, feed me. We want to be a church that feeds others, that takes steps out on the water, that trusts God for something greater and sees him do something more wonderful than we can imagine. We want to be people of faith who pursue all that God has for us at whatever cost it comes for us because we believe it will be worth it because he is so much greater and better than anything we hold in our hands. We want to be a people that stop pursuing the perishable and pursue the eternal. That's available to us in Jesus. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate it around this meal where we are reminded his life is in us. So just, we're going to take a moment to pray. The worship team is going to come back. We're going to sing a couple verses of In Christ Alone. And then we'll uh, take communion together just as they're coming. If you need uh, gluten-free, there is a gluten-free option. Would you maybe just raise your hand so the elders and those passing out can just see uh, those who might need gluten-free? Great, so if you can track that. And uh, we'll be passing the plates around. Uh, you can take the bread, take the cup, hold on to it. After we've sung a couple verses, we'll come back. And uh, I'll say a few more words, and then we'll consume it together. Let's pray, and then we'll sing together. Jesus, help us to see you as you are, not just a meal ticket. Help us to see you in all of your wonder, and to allow that to challenge us, to transform us, to change us, to compel us to a greater life. To not allow ourselves to be bored by the Christian faith. It's not simply a list of instructions and how-tos, but it's a call to adventure, to experience something greater that's beyond ourselves. Help us to know and receive the truth of your words, the reality of your life within us, to know something that's eternal and not just perishable. And help us to trust you as you call us into deeper faith and greater faith and challenging moments where we step out on the water and we step out in faith and we do what you're calling us to do to see what we'll only see as part of your story. So Jesus, now we gather around this table, this meal where your body is broken and your blood is shed and yet somehow it's multiplying out and feeding many. From one life sustaining power for so many, for all of us, available to all the world. Help us to receive that, to be nourished by it, and to allow you to be our all in all. Christ, in all your fullness, living within us. And so today we celebrate you as we gather around this table where you give us yourself so fully and completely. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.